0: You're listening to a Sunday morning message by Authentic Church. Good morning, everybody. It's so lovely to see you. Happy Easter. Christ is risen. He is risen indeed. Thank you. I knew Paul would get the reference. Thank you. Thank you. I would like to start this morning with a couple of questions for you. The first one is, why are you here this morning? Maybe you came willingly, you thought, great, it's Easter, can't wait to get there, I'm going to church. Maybe you were invited, maybe you were dragged along, rather unwillingly. Second question is, what does Easter mean to you? Is it a significant event in the Christian calendar and you wouldn't miss it? Have you never really thought too deeply about it? Or is it all about bunnies and chocolate eggs? Whatever the reason, you're very welcome, and I hope that the message this morning might challenge you a little bit and maybe help you see Easter through a slightly different lens this year. Because I want to talk to us about three of the characters in the Easter story today and their responses to what happened. The first of whom we've already met on our quiz, Thomas. So a little bit of backstory. Jesus had risen on the Sunday, and on that same evening, he had appeared to the disciples in a room somewhere. But Thomas wasn't there. He had missed it. So here he is. This is that's, that's the story before this part of the passage that I'm going to read, which is from John chapter 20, verses 24 to 25. Now Thomas, also known as Didymus, one of the 12, was not with the disciples when Jesus came. So the other disciples told him, we have seen the Lord. But he said to them, unless I see the nail marks in his hands and put my finger where the nails were and put my hand into his side, I will not believe. I feel quite sorry for Thomas because you can imagine he missed the first visit. And all, his, all the disciples have probably spent a whole week going on and on and on about what an amazing time they had and how awesome it was that Jesus turned up, and he missed it. But even though they were his closest friends, he had just spent three years with them. They lived together. They did everything together. Jesus taught them together. He still didn't trust them enough to believe what they said. He was not prepared to believe their testimony, and he was not prepared to trust them, his closest friends. And he earned himself the nickname Doubting Thomas. I wonder if you've ever tried to convince somebody of something, and they just simply wouldn't accept it. What you, what you were trying to say to them, maybe a ghost story or something like that, I don't know. Or maybe someone who you would normally who, who would normally trust you, um, but they just wouldn't believe you for whatever reason. Or maybe you've been told something a little bit outrageous, and you thought, "No, there's no way that I I believe that thing, even though I trust you as a person." That thing, that thing, no way. And maybe you're sitting here right now thinking that stories of a man raised from the dead two thousand years ago, after being crucified, they those stories are simply made up. There's no truth in them whatsoever. If you're thinking that, you're not alone. In February this, this year, we had a healing service. And uh, Paul, who is in our congregation this morning, was healed of pain in his leg after 60 years. And you can listen to his testimony on our website. And so when we had our next healing service in March, I thought, what a great idea. I will put onto social media a little bit about his testimony, about the fact that he was healed. And I put it on a, an app that's called Nextdoor, which is all you know local local people. And I just put that we had a healing service, and at the last one, someone was healed. And oh my goodness me, did I get some backlash. This is a few of the things that people put on that social media post. They put... Do you really expect Joe Public to believe that? You can believe what you like, but please keep it to yourself. Whatever rocks your boat. People were extremely cynical. And that doesn't surprise me because there is so much cynicism and skepticism in the world today. We've got so much fake news. Sometimes it's actually hard to know what's real and what's fake. And actually, it's really interesting if you ever see a Christian post on social media to just look at some of the negative responses and what people's worldview is. It's actually really interesting. I I find it quite, um, quite good to read those things so I can understand what people believe about Christians and Christianity. Maybe you're one of those people who doesn't get it, doesn't get the Christianity thing, that you dismiss it, you don't understand it. Maybe you've never really thought about it. Maybe you're cynical or sceptical about the claims of a man risen from the dead. Just like Thomas, maybe you say, well, unless I see it with my own eyes, then I'm not prepared to believe it. Let's carry on the story of Thomas just for a moment. A week later, his disciples were in the house again, and Thomas was with them. Though the doors were locked, Jesus came and stood among them and said, peace be with you. Then he said to Thomas, Put your finger here, see my hands. Reach out your hand and put it in my side. Stop doubting and believe. Thomas said to him, My Lord and my God. Then Jesus told him, Because you have seen me and you have believed, you have believed. Blessed are those who have not seen and yet have believed. So imagine Thomas's surprise, the very thing that he wanted to happen happened. He managed to see Jesus with his own eyes. And because he saw Jesus risen to life from the dead, he saw the scars in his hands and he put his, ha- his hand in the side, he then was able to acknowledge Jesus as his Lord and God. And all his cynicism, all his doubt was immediately wiped away after his encounter with Jesus. The bad news is you and I get to meet Jesus in the same way that Thomas did so how do we believe about it well Jesus said didn't he because you have seen me you have believed but blessed are those who have not seen and yet have believed he's referring to future believers after that point so people like me I've never seen Jesus with my own eyes I have to have faith that Jesus died on a cross to save me from my sins and that he rose to life again. But you know what? If I didn't believe those things, I wouldn't be standing here today. If I didn't believe those things, this church would not exist. But because I believe in the truth of Jesus so strongly, I started a church with Nigel. And it's not been easy. It's been really, really hard at times. So either I'm completely mad for doing it, or it's true. Most of you here know me pretty well so you make up your own minds about that I guess and I don't say any of this for sympathy or out of pride but as my testimony I stand here today saying to you I believe in the truth of Jesus so passionately that it's shaped my whole life. It shapes the way I think about things. It shapes the way I feel about people. It shapes what I do for for work. It shapes how I spend my money, what money I give away. It it shapes my whole life. That's how strongly and passionately I believe in the resurrected Jesus. I've been publicly mocked online for my beliefs. So if I didn't believe it was true, would I be prepared to face that? I don't think so. There's good historical evidence that most of the disciples went on to be martyred for their faith. If they hadn't seen the risen Jesus, do you think they'd be prepared to die for that? Christians around the world are still dying for their faith today. Would they be prepared to die for a lie? (laughs) A third of the world's population are Christians. (laughs) Are we all mad? I don't think so. I accept it's not possible to prove the existence of God. I get that. But that's why we need faith. When Thomas doubted, Jesus proved his existence. And I believe he can do the same for us if we ask him. So that's Thomas. Our next character is Simon Peter. Just to be clear, Simon is the same person as Peter, who is the same person as Simon Peter, okay? So (laughs) just to be clear, he was called Simon to start with, and then Jesus renamed him Peter, which means rock, and he said, on this rock I will build my church. So Simon, Simon Peter, Peter, they're all the same person. as soon as Simon Peter heard him say, it is the Lord, he wrapped his outer garment around him, for he had taken it off, and jumped into the water. The other disciples followed in the boat, towing the net full of fish, for they were not far from the shore, about a hundred yards. So again, this story happens after Jesus' death and resurrection. We've got seven friends who have gone fishing overnight, as was the custom, and early in the morning, they haven't caught anything, and there's a man on the shore rubbing salt in the wound. Didn't you catch anything, he's saying? And they don't recognize that it's Jesus. But he tells them to put their nets on the right side of the boat, and sure enough, they catch such a large number of fish that they can't haul them in. There's a very similar story to this in Luke chapter 5 when Jesus calls his first disciples. So Simon Peter and the, some others had been fishing overnight. And guess what? They hadn't caught anything. And Jesus is on the shore. And he tells them to put their nets out into deep water. And at first, Simon Peter objects. And he says, no, no, we, you don't realize, you know, we haven't caught anything. But he does what Jesus asked him. And they catch so many fish that they need two boats. And both the boats start to sink with the, under the weight of the fish. And the Bible tells us that immediately after that miracle, those men left everything they had and followed Jesus. So Peter had seen a miracle like this before. So he would have known now without a doubt that the man on the shore was Jesus. And I just love Peter's enthusiasm here. He didn't wait till they got to the shore. He was so excited about seeing Jesus that he jumped into the sea fully clothed, to get there as fast as he could. He could not contain himself. Peter had not been expecting to see Jesus. He and his friends had had a failed night of fishing, and he was probably feeling quite disheartened. But Jesus has a habit of meeting us when we least expect it. And when this happens, there's not a lot we can do about it. A few years ago, Nigel and I were at a Baptist church and it was a baptism Sunday and people had been baptised and some, some of their family members had come along by invitation to watch the baptism. Um, and the, as far as I know, these people hadn't really been to church before. They'd only come because their, their family members were being baptised. And the people got baptised and then there was a kind of a um, an invitation for anyone else who maybe thought the call of Jesus on their lives, or they felt impelled to get into the water, and guess what? Two people that day decided that they wanted to get baptized. They had not come prepared for baptism, but they felt so strongly the call of Jesus on that day that they got into the baptism pool fully clothed. They didn't bring a towel, they didn't bring a change of clothes, but they didn't care. They wanted to jump into the sea just like Peter had. Because that's what Jesus had, they hadn't expected to meet him in that way but he had met them and they got into those baptism um, waters fully clothed. I've heard lots of stories of people who just are in Christian events or something and they just can't stop themselves from getting out of their seat and walking or running to the front of of the, the event. And actually, when I was about 12 years old in 1984, Billy Cra- Graham came and spoke at Carrow Road, and I went along with my, my, my mum and some other people from the church I was in at the time, and I felt compelled to go to the front. I, after his message, I, my legs wanted to carry me down the front, but being 12 years old and a massive introvert and feeling a little bit embarrassed, I didn't go. I, and I never told my, my mum that I wanted to go. But do you know what? I didn't miss my chance because God knew that really in my heart I wanted, I wanted him in, in my life. It took a few more, few more years after that, but he got me in the end. But I, couldn't, I, I just wanted to go. There was something inside me that just said, go, go, go. Jesus has a way of meeting us when we least expect it. And our last character is Mary, Mary Magdalene, who we've, we've heard about on our quiz today. The first person to see the risen Jesus. And her response to the events again was quite different. So John 20, first couple of verses, says this. Early on the first day of the week, while it was still dark... Mary Magdalene went to the tomb and saw that the stone had been removed from the entrance. So she came running to Simon Peter and the other disciple, the one Jesus loved, and said, They've taken the Lord out of the tomb, and we don't know where they have put him. So she'd come to look for Jesus, or at least his body in the same way that people now visit cemeteries to pay respects to their loved ones. That's what she was doing. She was coming to pay her respects, to be near him, to find comfort, to be near his tomb. But when she arrived, the tomb was open and the body was gone. She'd watched him die an agonizing death on the Friday, but due to the timing of that, She'd had to wait a whole day because of Sabbath when they weren't allowed to do any work. So she'd gone on the Sunday morning. It says while it was still dark, she'd got there so early and she was desperate to be near him. But she was looking in the wrong place. Now Mary stood outside the tomb crying. As she wept, she bent over to look into the tomb and saw two angels in white, seated where Jesus' body had been, one at the head and the other at the foot. And they asked her, woman, why are you crying? They have taken my Lord away, she said, and I don't know where they've put him. At this, she turned around and saw Jesus standing there, but she did not realize that it was Jesus. He asked her, woman, why are you crying? Who is it you are looking for? Thinking he was the gardener, she said, Sir, if you have carried him away, tell me where you've put him and I will get him. Jesus said to her, Mary. She turned towards him and cried out in Aramaic, Rabboni, which means teacher. Mary didn't recognize Jesus to start with, but as soon as Jesus said her name, just one word, Mary she instantly recognised his voice. She had her back to him, but as he called her, she knew that she'd found what she was looking for. So many of us are looking for stuff, aren't we? We're looking for a sense of purpose. We're looking for a sense of worth. We're looking for, for fulfilment, for success. We're looking for love. We're looking to be known and valued by other people. And we look for those things in all kinds of places. We accumulate wealth. We work too hard. We form unhealthy relationships. We live hedonistic lifestyles. And just like Mary, we're looking in the wrong place. We won't find what we're looking for in any of those things. The fact is we are created to be in relationship with God. He created us for that you may have heard the expression about a God-shaped hole that people try to fill. And they try to fill it with all sorts of things, stuff, money, drugs, alcohol, sex, all that stuff. They try to fill that God-shaped hole with it. But you quickly realise that you will not fill that hole with all that stuff. Jim Carrey said, famous American actor, I think everyone should get rich and famous and do everything they ever dreamed of so they can see that it's not the answer. He's right. It's not the answer. Jesus is the answer. Jesus, who died on the cross for you and for me, who did not stay dead, but was brought to life so that you and I can have a relationship with him, so that we can be forgiven so that we can have eternal life. He's the answer. So however you came here this morning, willingly, dragged, invited, whatever Easter means to you, I want you to know that Jesus knows you He knows you whether you doubt his existence, stubbornly refuse to believe in him like Thomas. He knows you whether you simply don't recognize him like Peter. And he knows you even if you're looking in the wrong places for him like Mary. Psalm 139 verse 13 says, For you created my inmost being, you knit me together in my mother's womb. He knows you, he created you. And he calls you by name. What is Jesus saying to you today? Is he saying, stop doubting and believe? Is he saying, what are you looking for? Stop looking in the wrong places. Maybe he's just simply saying your name. Whatever it is, Jesus' invitation is very simple. He just says, come, follow me. And I promise you, if you do that, it's the best kind of life.